Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello, everybody. This is Thurl Bailey, and welcome to Thurl Talk. Uh, we hope you're doing well. Obviously, we are still in uh, the midst of the coronavirus, and I hope that you're out there doing all that you need to do to stay safe and keeping your loved ones safe as well. Uh, one question I have for you, for you listeners is, is what do you, this is kind of the new normal, right? So what are you doing at, at this time um, as far as being, being inspirational? You know, I find that one of the, some of the best moments I have is when, when, when I don't have to be doing something right i can i can take my time i can get my thoughts together i can have some private time so i hope some of you or all of you are finding a time in your life at this at this moment to do some of that find something maybe that you've dreamed about doing um i want to start out today we've got a very very special guest on today and before i bring him on i want to start out with a few quotes that may hopefully set your mind into motion Uh, These quotes are from folks that you may or may not know. The first one is, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Harriet Tubman. I mean, think about that quote from a slave of all people. To have that kind of inspiration and motivation Here's another one. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Eleanor Roosevelt. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So if you haven't taken that first step yet, I, I, I say to you, take that first step today. Put it to thought. There's something that you dreamed about doing, something that you've always wanted to do. At least start thinking about it. Put it into action. And here's a guy that we're bringing on right now who put it into action a long time ago. Let me welcome my friend, an American professional golfer, currently on the PGA Tour, Mr. Tony Finau. Tony, welcome to Thorough Talk, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on, Big T. Pleasure being with you. Hey, uh, so I got to ask you first: um, What's your new normal right now as uh, as a professional golfer? I mean, you know, you're. 
uh, th- there's been all kinds of things about staying indoors, outdoors is okay, yeah. this and that. What's what's your new normal like? Yeah, it's so so much going on, isn't there? Uh, at least outside of the home, uh, not a lot going on inside the home for us. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the new norm for us is, especially for me, is is quite different. Uh, I, I I travel thirty to thirty five weeks a year. I'm on the road, uh, hotel life, restaurant life, all that, you know, on a golf course, you know, seven to 10 hours a day, depending on the day. So for me, it's, it's this is actually, uh, and I don't want to come off as, as too strange, but this is actually a, uh, a great time for me to, uh, be with my family, yes. stay at home and, and just, in, just enjoy time with my kids that I don't have uh otherwise can't you know, get that back there, can there really, yeah there really isn't anything going on there isn't anything that you know is um super important right now other than uh our social distancing and and the health of uh health of others so um this has actually been a great time for me to to be with my family my kids um and so my new norm is, is being home being a dad at home and uh being a chef uh, at least doing my best to and and just uh and you know this week uh i'm in i'm in arizona right now but uh you know this week the the arizona school and the governor came out and said that uh school will be at home for the rest of the year so also taking on a little bit of the role of being a teacher so um you know my 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 norm has changed quite a bit but uh, i am i am enjoying it that's good. That's good. Well, you know, I, I tried to decide, Tony, how I wanted to uh, kind of start because, I, you know, I've got a whole kind of a notebook of your accolades and, you know, <laughs> everything that you, you've accomplished in golf. I want to go back, man, because, listen, you were a baller. When I say baller, I mean a basketballer. And I think that might be where <laughs> I first saw you come onto the scene as uh, in, in playing at West High School as a basketball player is that what is, yeah. is that what you grew up on basketball and football yeah yep yep i i wasn't a baller like you big t but i i, I could i could shoot all right <laughs> um no I, I played i played a lot i played a lot of basketball growing up that was my first love um when it came to anything really sports or, or anything i i dreamed of being an nba player before anything else and so just consumed in basketball as as so many of our youth are and um, so I, you know, I did the junior jazz thing, played yeah. a lot of junior, uh, junior jazz basketball and all the way up the ranks. I played all the way through middle school and then right into high school. And, um, you know, we had a decent squad there at West high school, yeah. but, uh, I was the starting, starting center there for, uh, you know, my, my, my junior year and, um, and had a lot of fun with that. And you but, led the uh, state, yeah, man, you led the state I in rebounding people. your senior year as well, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So I was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun, you know, and I, I mean, I'm glad I, I glad, glad I played basketball all the way through my high school years. It was, it was very important for me to, to stay busy during the winter during the winter months when I couldn't golf. Yeah. Uh, okay, Tony. So, you know, I, I'm going to go back kind of to my childhood, way before yours, obviously in D.C. Culturally, right? So, I knew yeah. growing up that uh, you know I probably wasn't going to be a swimmer, and, and and I say that not just because I couldn't swim, but the fact that the access to that sport, there was none, right? It was yeah. it was considered yep. socially or economically something that that wasn't you know pliable f- for me. So 
my first kind of uh, release was was on a basketball court on in the park down the street or a makeshift court in my yard. So yeah, culturally, you know how how does uh, uh, a a a a Tongan Samoan <laughs> Uh, grow up and and transition because you had you had basketball scholarship offers from University of Utah and Utah State. Am I correct? Yeah, we and Weber State. And I, Weber I State with uh, Damian Lillard. Same yeah, time. yeah, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so so t- that's my that's my that's my ultimate claim to fame when it comes to colleges. Like, yeah, I was getting to recruited to the same school as Damian Lillard. <laughs> that's right. So so how does that happen? Uh, did did you grow up? I mean, with with golf in your family life, and and so how did you make that that swing, that trend as a young young man? Yeah, it all, it all started with my younger brother and and my dad. Uh, my my dad would take my younger brother with him to the golf course. My dad had just started playing, kind of in the mid uh, mid nineties. He started playing a little bit of golf. He got his my dad got his first set from just a. Uh, a friend of his at his at work and so on weekends he would kind of you know be a weekend golfer and and he would take my younger brother with him and uh my younger brother gipper ended up taking a liking to the game so uh my my dad basically just cut his clubs down the set that he had and cut it down for my brother wow and and they and so it you know honestly just all rooted from my brother liking the game and and taking a weird liking to the game of golf uh, and, and so, you know, us being 11 months apart, uh, you know, when he started to play golf, he started to, he was, he won a junior tournament in Utah at the age of six, at the age of six. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty cool. He was, he was getting interviewed by, uh, you know, Alema Harrington. I know a good friend of ours, yes. uh, when he was at uh, Fox 13 news and, um, and they did a big story with my brother when he was six years old and. I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, that's kind of cool. Maybe I should, maybe I should try this golf thing. So honestly, um, that's kind of how it started. And to to take you back as to how my brother, you know, started. So my dad, you know, cut the clubs down that he had for him, and and my dad started teaching him. You know, my dad, you know, golf is as you mentioned. You know, I come from Tongan and Samoan descent background. We don't play golf. You know, we play <laughs> rugby and football and. Uh, and cricket, you know, those are the sports back in the highlands, and those are the sports that everybody plays. Yeah. So golf is so left field, and so different from what you know Polynesians do. Um, but that's kind of how we got involved. And my dad, uh, once he cut his clubs down, you know, he decided to teach my brother how to play just by reading books, magazines, wow. um, watching videos uh, again, and then someone who had just picked up the game himself. Um, you know, just had the desire to, to teach his boys how to play. So was it difficult for you, um, you know, being such a, a good basketball player and, and already having an opportunity to, to one, get a, get an education paid for through it, um, but also having those offers out there knowing that if you wanted to pursue basketball, uh, you definitely had that right there as a low-hanging fruit. Was it a tough decision or was there something – in particular, that just the light switch came on. You said, "No, this is what I'm going to do." Yeah, no, I, you know, it was definitely uh, intriguing, and um, you know, I, I, it was cool, a luxury to have. But uh, right around the age twelve, 
I would say 12, 13 years old, I, I pretty much knew I wanted to be a PGA Tour golfer. Okay. I wanted to be a professional golfer. So basketball to me was, uh, was a lot of fun. And, and I enjoyed playing it, but I knew that, uh, you know, I think first of all, I was, uh, I had a lot more success in, in golf, you know, playing golf tournaments. Uh, once I started, uh, junior tournaments in Utah, you know, I started winning and I started winning some national events. And, and at the age of 12, uh, I won a tournament called junior world, yeah. which was a, a tournament where, you know, all the best juniors in the world gather and play. And I was able to win my division there. And once that happened and I, and I saw my name on the same trophy as tiger, uh, and Phil Mickelson, a lot of the golf greats. That's you know when my attention turned to, um, you know, is golf cool or whatever. Into, wow, I think I can really do this. You know, if they can do it, why can't I? So, at that age, I knew I wanted to play golf. Um, but I think it was a, it was a cool luxury to have uh, basketball as, as kind of a backup. Well, one of those thoughts had to be, you know, I could make some money doing this. Yeah, right. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, so <laughs> exactly. That's, so, um, you know, when, it, when you tell that story, it just, and I know a lot of our listeners, it will take them back because all of our journeys parallel in, in some way, shape or form, whether it's sports yeah. or something else. Um, but you just took me back to a place where I kind of knew what I wanted, but there were some other people in the course of that journey that didn't really think that that's the path I should have taken, um, you know, or... You know, it, whether whether silently or out loud, nah, nah, you better try something else, man. You, you no, nah, this this yeah. is not for you. Do yeah. you have any of that? Oh yeah, and you don't have to name <laughs> names, but just no, no, yeah, trust me. I, <laughs> but uh, I, I've had a lot of that, you know, throughout my throughout my career and, and especially my young career. Um, you know, our family getting involved in a game that we didn't really know about, yeah. and um, you know, going. Uh, running the same circles of, of people that did know a lot about the game and, you know, and, and, you know, getting laughed at or whatever the case, uh, because of certain protocols we didn't know or dress codes we didn't know. Yeah. Um, you know, those are all things that we faced, uh, growing up, no question. And, and had a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of people doubting. Um, and, and just, but just, you know, again, like you mentioned, just had that adversity, um, you know, going through those early stages, um, because we were just learning the game together. You know, I was, we were all new to it. Uh, again, my dad didn't have any history of golf. It's not like my grandparents played, or uh, you know, didn't cut. You know, we weren't the country club type. Right. You know, we grew up on the other. We grew up on the other side of the tracks, <laughs> yeah. and, um, and just um, kind of, you know, I, w- I would have never known about this uh, this this game if I didn't go on the journey. You know, but yeah. uh, definitely had those uh, those doubts early. And Tony, you know, as much as there are doubters out there there are also those people like your dad and others who they see something, right? They see potential. They see something in you. And I read yep. that a guy named Lee Trevino was one of those in, in during your journey. Yeah. So I, at 17 years old, I had this really unique opportunity. I, I, I had just committed to playing golf at uh, BYU and I was looking forward to, to spending my uh, fall there as a senior in high school. And uh, this is the spring uh, of my senior year, but uh, I was approached to play in this uh, this tournament. That if you win, you you get two million dollars. <laughs> so um, we decided to enter it, and I didn't have to turn professional until I was one of the twelve guys who qualified. So uh, lo and behold, I ended up uh, winning a couple matches in this 
specific tournament, and, and, and I was one of 12 guys who had a chance at $2 million. And uh, uh, long story short, we met as a family, and, and my parents basically <laughs> said, son, I think this is something that we've got to do. Um, we can't leave that money on the table, you know, let's, let's go for it. And we're all in as a family on this golf thing. So, uh, we decided to take it, uh, we decided to take, uh, take the chance. And although I didn't end up winning, uh, the $2 million, I, I met Lee Trevino and he was able to, he was a big supporter of mine, a big advocate of mine, uh, believed in what I was trying to do and, and set me up on, you know, some sponsors and had me on my way professionally. So that was quite a cool thing for someone as, of his caliber, obviously a Hall of Fame golfer and um, and an amazing you know player in his own right to uh, step up for me in that way. Hey, as cool as that story is about what Lee Trevino did for you, the part I really enjoyed was you said we sat down as a family. And yeah, and listen, uh, on a lot of levels, you know, a seventeen-year-old um, basically would. A lot of a lot of ones that I know would say, "No, you know what? Uh, I'm going to make this decision." But no, you sat down with your family. There was a lot of trust there. How important was that for you to have your family involved? Oh, it was everything, and that's all I knew, you know. And uh, my parents have all supported me, you know, from from anything I wanted to do. You know, if I would have told my parents I wanted to play golf or I wanted to play basketball, they would have supported me. Um, so. Uh, you know, they, we just, we knew, I knew that that was going to be an important decision in my life. And I wanted the support of, of the people that I loved. But the funny thing is I, I, in that, in that meeting, I remember very vividly uh, telling my parents, ah, I always thought about going to college. I've always wanted to go to college. I think, you know, college is still the thing for me. And, <laughs> and they basically said, no, nah, I think you should uh, go after that $2 million. So <laughs> <laughs> just need know, a little that, nudge. That was quite, <laughs> they said, yeah, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Why don't you, why don't you uh, try this uh, $2 million? So that was that. <laughs> hey, that's a great story. Tony, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to be right back. And I want to talk to you about uh, there really is no great success sometimes without tragedy and defeat. And uh, so I want to explore your brain on on. Maybe some of those things that you've gone through that have, that have questioned your decisions or tested you in any kind of way. We'll be right back with Tony Fina. Perfect. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Listen. 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Thorough Talk. We've got uh, the magnificent Tony Fee now. And one thing that even if you don't know Tony Fee now and you see any of his photos and he's smiling, he's got this infectious smile. And I think that says a lot about him. Uh, Tony, I, I want to travel into that space of uh, there's really no great success stories without some tragedy or defeat or something that has made something that makes us reflect, question sometimes. Uh, take us there. Yeah. Um, so, 2011 was a year of changing, uh, a year changing uh, event for me in my life. And, and as you mentioned, it, it's molded me into the, the human uh, that I am today in so many different levels, so many different ways. But, um, you know, I, I, I lost my mom to a tragic car accident in, in November, on November 27th of 2011. And, uh, you know, the news uh, was devastating, as, as, you know, most would know. I, but, you know, to me, you know, to try and describe, you know, what my mom meant to me and, and our family, it's hard, you know, because, yeah. you know, it's pretty much everything. Yes. <laughs> she did everything. There wasn't anything that she didn't do. Um, lived a life of service, just an amazing person. Um, you know, you, you mentioned my uh, infectious smile, and I, and I think you know, that's all her. You know, she was always, she smiled her way right through life, and I learned that from her. You know, a smile goes a long way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that year, I had just come off my most successful professional year um, financially and just growing as a player. And I knew that, um, you know, I could do some special things um, in the game. And, and then, you know, this happened at the end of the year and, and just uh, so many different emotions and so much, uh, so much going on. I think it's definitely uh, worthy to note uh, my, my wife and I had our first son uh, right after she was. Uh, my, my mom passed away on the 27th of November, and my son was born uh, on the 28th of November, the very next day. And the emotions that you go through uh, with dealing with death and then dealing with life are are pretty overwhelming uh, on both spectrums. Um, but I I dealt with that in my life and and so much was going on then that uh you know I had to take a step back and think about everything uh in my life is golf my avenue yeah. is you know uh, you know am I supposed to get married at the time my wife was my girlfriend um and and here we have a son to take care of there were so many things going on in my life though that uh my my head was spinning um but I had to make a, I had to make a decision is, you know, am I going to be one to just stand around and, and mope or am I going to take action and, and do what I feel like is right and, and continue to move forward uh, like my mom wanted me to and how she taught. And, and, and I knew that that was a, that was a life changing moment in my life to, to move away from uh, the pity and um, the feelings of, uh, you know, all the bad feelings, the negative feelings that come with uh, the death of a loved one. Yeah. And, you know, how do I use that to move forward in, in a positive way? 
Tony, I really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I, I want to transition into you and your wife, Elena. And yeah. you as, I know you have four kids. And talk to me about Tony Finau, the husband and father. Yeah, it's it's my it's my favorite title, being a <laughs> husband and being a father. It's and it's the title I think that I respect the most and uh, that I love that I love the most. Um, you know, being a husband is uh, is is something I that I've always wanted. I grew up with a uh, a great dad who's always supported me and um, and you know I saw the way that he treated you know my mom and. And I always wanted to be that for somebody else, you know, and you always want to be loved. You want to love someone else. And, and I was taught that that's the, that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and so being a husband, you know, to my beautiful wife is, is a title that means the most to me. And, and being a father to my beautiful kids is, uh, is amazing. You know, even with uh, all, all that's going on now with COVID-19, you know, they, yeah. I, I spend a lot more time with them now than I ever have. And, and they can drive me crazy, but I love I love being someone that they can look up to as, as a hero or um, someone that, you know, they, they can turn to for, for any type of assistance. So just the, the, the title of husband and father is one that uh, I've never been taught to take lightly and, and one that I'm, I'm so proud that I am. Okay. I saw you uh, at a gym a few months ago and, and I know you've got a little baller in your family that uh, was supposed to get him in front of me. Uh, is, is <laughs> which which kid is that? Is that Tony Jr.? No, uh, Drace. Yeah, my oldest. Okay. And how old is he now? Yeah. Drace is eight. He's a big boy. That's a good. That's a good play. Good. Good age to start, man. Good age to yeah, start. Yeah, I know. He's a big boy. Well, he's <laughs> he's well on his well on his way. He shoots every day. We got a hoop uh, at our house, and um, just one of those outside hoops out here in Arizona, and he shoots every day, and he loves it. He loves basketball. I think he loves it more than golf. So. He's kind of on the same boat as me when I was his age. All right, man. I love to hear that. So, you know, one of the things, Tony, that uh, I, I really, I truly admire about you, uh, and it's not really even about you. It's about how you're using your platform to to help others in their lives. So uh, I want to talk to you about uh, your foundation and all that you're doing right now and, and, and all that you hope to do uh, with the Tony Finau Foundation? Yeah, well, I, I started the Tony Finau Foundation in 2014. And, uh, you know, going back to, you know, what my mom meant to me, at the bottom of my logo, I have a TF logo for our foundation, is a V, and that V is, is for her. Her name was Vina. And, and again, I think a huge part of starting the foundation was in her honor and and, and something that she could be proud of. But, uh, you know, for me, just, you know, I, I, I grew up, I feel like, from very humble beginnings and, um, and just with, you know, some great values. And, and I felt like if I ever had the opportunity to give back to the neighborhood that I grew up in and, and just help, you know, that I would. And, and, and for me, it's just, it's, it's so cool just to be in and out, you know, to have the opportunity to give back and, you know, to see the physical evidence of, uh, of these kids and their families and you know because I've been there before you know I, I know what it's like to not have as uh, not have as much or um, you know feel like you're you know you need help and we want to just bridge that gap as a foundation to help um, help others 
So right now, you know, it's a cool thing we're doing with, uh, you know, during this time we've spent, um, you know, a lot of time as a foundation, you know, trying to see where we can help and, and, you know, happy that we've found a great fit in, uh, for the kids. And we've donated 31,000 mills to yes. the Rose Park and, and Glendale area and, and, and intend to continue to grow that number uh, just to feed as many kids as we can throughout the state of Utah, just those that need it and need mills during this time because it's, you know, I think we've all got to lean on each other during times like this and, and use, you know, whatever platform we have or whatever means we have to help others. No question about it. I sure appreciate that. So let's end with this, Tony. What's next for you? I mean, what what do you dream about? What's your what's the pinnacle career wise? Um, you know, obviously when when uh, this coronavirus has curve has flattened and we can kind of get back to normal. Um, what's what's the ultimate goal for you? Yeah, um, if we're talking about career, my ultimate goal on my career has always been the same, and that's you know to become the best player in the world. The highest ranked I've ever been in my career is nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my my coaches uh, shared with me his views on, look, if you can become a top ten player in the world, you can become the best player in the world, uh, and and we've always believed that. So that's something that I'll always chase. And um, you know, whether I get there or not, that's something that you have to have goals, as you mentioned, and um, and you gotta, you know, goals <laughs> don't don't achieve themselves. You know, you gotta gotta put the work in and 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 believe in yourself. And I think that's the biggest part. So um, that's what's next for me. You know, I'll continue to uh, to do the work and and just hope everything falls into place. But um, you know, so much so much great, uh, so many crazy things going on. But so much still to be grateful for. And I know that you know I've been inspired by uh, you know so many people like you and and others that have just paved the way to not only how to be a, a great professional athlete, but how to handle yourself and, and be a great human being. Because to me, that's more important than anything else. Hey, Tony, I had a moment uh, in my career. You know, I told you I, I watched my first basketball game sitting next to my dad when I was like a young teenager. And the first guy I just wanted to emulate was I wanted to be him. And it wasn't about being like him. I wanted to be that man. And he had a big, he had a big fro and short shorts. And my dad said his name was Dr. J. And I'm like, Dad, doctors can play uh, pro ball? And so he had to really hit me to the fact that, you know, when, when you're really cool, you get a nickname. And so this guy, was he was my dream guy, and he kind of drove my passion. And the full circle, yep. the full circle moment for me was one of my first games with the Jazz. Frank Layton calls me into the game. We're playing the Philadelphia 76ers. And guess who I got to guard? Dr. Dr. J. Dr. J. Yeah. It was a surreal moment. So I'm wondering if you have you had any of those moments. I know you you partnered with some of the greatest, right? You played against some of the greatest. Did you have those moments when you when you finally made it professionally? Yeah, you know, I think just last year, you know, I played in the final group with uh, Tiger in the 2019 Masters, and that uh, that moment, you know, as I look back on it now, um, was a full circle moment for me, you know. And then and I, I started playing golf in the summer of 1997 and right after the 97 masters and tiger woods won the 97 masters, which, uh, for me was the first golf tournament I ever watched. The first golf tournament that even looked, um, <laughs> you know, had any kind of 
entertaining entertainment, you know, value to me as a kid. But it was Tall Tiger. It was his wearing red. It was um, how people were literally drooling over how good he was. And, and so he drew my eye to the game. And that same exact place, um, you know, just, you know, 21 years later, you know, I'm playing and teeing it up with him in the final group and have a chance to win my first green jacket. So wow. that was probably my first, you know, that was probably the, the full circle moment for me where I was like, wow, this is really cool. I dreamed of this moment and, and it's finally here. And, uh, and I know it's not going to be my last, so, but that was, that was quite a cool moment. Dare to dream. Hey, uh, so I know we didn't get a chance to really dig deep into, I mean, I'm looking at here, Masters Tournament, U.S. Open, PGA, and all these, people can look that stuff up online. But, um, and one, the other part of the reason why is because, I don't know if the story's getting around, I know I haven't, I keep looking for that Tony Finau invitation to your, to your tournament, but I think, you know, your people know that back in the day, as a celebrity, I was invited to a golf tournament. And I was paired against uh, another guy. I don't know if you you know this name. His name was Vern Troyer. And Vern Troyer uh, was an actor. He's passed. He passed away a few, few years ago. But he was he was uh, probably three feet tall, maybe. He was mini me wow. in those movies. Yeah. And so he gets up to the tee, and he has uh, uh, man his driver. The head on his driver was probably bigger than my hand. And, and it was like a, it was like a toy looking driver, and he smacks that thing. I, I, it had I think it went two hundred yards, and so here I am, and he's got this girlfriend that's like six feet tall. So she's clapping her hands, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. <laughs> and so uh, I, I have to step up now, and I have to I have to match this or, or try to do better because here is this I think they're called dwarfs. I don't want to. You know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be derogatory, but uh, he was impressive. And I got up there, man, and I, I, I know mine went no further than fifty yards, and that really told me that I needed to spend more time on the golf course and get and get serious. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, I'm better now. So you know, I, <laughs> when, when your tournament comes around, uh, please don't forget about me. Okay. No, hey, you can you can ink you can ink yourself in. Hey. <laughs> Unfortunately, this year it looks like we might have to postpone our tournament. It's usually in June, so lucky I'm, for me, huh? You're you're officially invited over <laughs> over your over your podcast. So there you go. <laughs> hey, hey. So worst come to worst, I'll drive the cart for you, <laughs> Tony. I love it. We love it. Hey, bro, we love to have you there. You are the man. I sure love you and appreciate you, man. And and take care of your family. And best of luck to you. I'm sure I'll be seeing you along that journey. Yeah, no doubt. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All love, my brother. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on Thorough Talk. And uh, join me next week. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>